You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Lance Bachman, founder of One SEO Digital Marketing Agency, your one-stop shop for success online. Lance, welcome to the show. Thank you, Laura, for having me. Nice seeing you again. It's great to see you. Now, tell us a little bit more about One SEO. What's your 30-second elevator pitch? When I say it's a full digital marketing agency, we help you grow your brand. We help you get leads. We're looking for clients that are e-commerce or service-based businesses looking to grow and scale their companies. We help fill the pipeline with good qualified leads. It's funny how simple that sounds and how not simple it is to do. And there's an awful lot of people out there who say that they do it and then yeah, it doesn't happen somehow or other. So uh, you know, kudos to you guys for figuring out what that uh, secret sauce is. Thank you. Thank you very much. What's your favorite part of your job and why? My favorite part of my job is helping people. I get to see companies grow. I get to learn about people's businesses. I've been doing it for 28 years now, from selling the phone book, advertising to this. And you get to meet all walks of life, and it's exciting. It's great. Variety. Variety of people, variety of industries, all that kind of fun stuff. Absolutely. I would imagine that you've tried to figure out how to digitally market just about everything. What's one of the weirdest I shouldn't use the word weird. That's judgmental sounding, but one of the most uncommon or unique products or services you've had to help somebody market. Believe it or not, a lamination machine back in the day. Someone that when you laminate, I was like, that's weird. Like you never think about it, (laughs) but people buy lamination machines all the way from auto parts to HVAC to lawyers, to doctors, to Aflac. Like it's been a great ride. I mean, it's just hotels. I mean, we had 150 digital markers. I think I've seen every vertical. Now we specialize more, but you know, over the years, I've seen every vertical. I get a kick out of some of the people. And that's part of the fun of being able to be a podcast host like this, because I talk to people in places where you go, oh yeah, somebody actually does that. You know, just a few weeks ago, we had on Dave Rielli from Phoenix Tube Company. And it's like, they're the guys who manufacture those steel beams that you hold on to when you're on the subway or on the bus so that when you're standing up and the bus moves, you don't fly, you know, into the back of the bus. It's like, oh yeah, somebody actually makes those things. I never would have thought about it. I remember speaking with somebody that was in Texas doing a training and she hands me a business card that she worked for a, a pork company and her her title was Boar Stud Manager. And I thought, okay, somebody has to do that. I, I never thought that somebody's official job was helping pigs make more baby pigs. That's okay. You know, those unique verticals. Very unique. And some of them pay very well. Yes. Yes, they do. That's for sure. So tell me about something that's happening in one SEO's world, in the digital marketing world, whether now or you can see it coming up. And more importantly, how do you have to adjust the way that you communicate to different stakeholder groups when you're talking about this change? So I don't have any investors in one SEO. I own 100%, but I am constantly talking to my leadership team, right? Because they have to have the same vision as me and see things. So it's more change in the product. Right now, we're undergoing, um, we scale, right? And a lot of things we scaled, even a simple thing, like there's no script on how we answer the phone at 1SEO, right? So we start doing standing operating procedures for everything from how you answer the phone, there'll be a script to how you transfer the call, 
to every single thing. Like, you know, we have checklists for websites. We have checklists for building PPC, those processes. But now we're actually going to take it one step further. Training, we're investing a lot in the training. Actually, we have one full-time trainer now. We're bringing in another full-time trainer. I think it's important you train. I think an employee should be trained anywhere between 125 to 150 hours a year. So you have to make people better. So that's a big goal rock that we're working on right now. Always looking to make the product better, change. We're constantly communicating down. I have a CEO, CJ. We're constantly in communication, talking, you know, talking about culture, how to make things better. So you're constantly communicating. I own other companies also, as you know, I own five other companies. Mm -hmm. So I'm constantly on the phone with those leaders every day in meetings, in person, communicating, talking, making sure the vision's clear. You know, I always say if you a 10-year-old can't understand my vision, then I'm miscommunicating. Yeah. And it was, again, an Einstein quote, I think, was that if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. Correct. That's always the challenge is to take all the genius that's in your head and distill it down and explain it to somebody who has no knowledge of it whatsoever, no understanding or background in it, and make it so crystal clear that they go, oh, got it. No doubt. Amazing. So with all of this, what's a personal communication skill that you're really good at and what's something that you're still working on or wish you were better at? So I'm good at building relationships with people, communicating. I think relationships matter more. You know, I tell people this all the time. You've got to have good, healthy relationships for business people to grow. You know, the reason why most people don't ever grow their business or they stay where they are, I call it the crab pot theory. You let the people around them pull them down, pull them down. Like you don't mm. have to put a lid on a pot of crabs because it could be your own brothers or sisters or friends that they just don't want you to get ahead. And, you know, so I'm constantly communicating about that, talking about that with my family, my leaders, making sure no one's pulling anyone down. And I think that's probably the biggest thing I talk about the most with everyone in my circle is um, if you're not adding value and I can't add value and we can't have a good relationship, I'm probably not going to do business with you and hang out with you. You know what? I'm a big relationship person. I'm working on to communicate now. You know, I don't think I was always clear. I think I'm a pretty direct person, but I don't think I always get clear direction. Mm. Now I make it so crystal clear. And what was something that you realized? How did you realize that you weren't as clear as you wanted to be when giving directions? So most people fail because they don't care. Like most things in life don't get done. I should use the word because either they don't care to do them or they don't know how to do them, right? It's yep. either one or the other. You yes. Give direction. So my in-house team that was working on a lot of our own stuff, I wasn't giving clear direction. People was constantly churning. And CJ said to me, Lance, they're not sure what to do, how to do it. So I made my message more clear to them and it's gotten a lot better. And that's where you have to look at yourself and say, am I communicating the clear expectations? If not, shame on you. Am I training people clearly? Shame on you if I'm not. So those are things that you got to look at as a leader and say, I got to make sure I'm working on these things myself to get better. Is there advice that you can give to leaders to figure out if they are truly as clear as they think they are? Because everybody knows what they mean by what they say, but then we inherit, and because of, we know what we are trying to convey, we then want to blame the other person for, you know, why weren't they paying attention? Why didn't they get it? When really the fault is on us for not being clear enough more often than not. How, how can we find out where that gap is between what I think I say and what they think they hear? I think it's hard for people to look in the mirror and say, you're the problem. I think it's, a, you know, we're doing, I'm doing one of my companies right now and there's three of us and the one partner doesn't want to be around the other partner and he wants out. So we're buying them out, right? 
But the other part of it, I don't understand. I'm like, it's not really that hard to understand. When someone doesn't want to be your partner, they think you don't bring any value to the table. They're annoyed. Like, that's the only reason that you end a partnership. There's no other reason. You don't mm-hmm. have the same vision. So just look around you and look at the relationships of the things you're asking people to do. Are they being executed on? Are you getting your tasks done? If not, you're probably the fault. So I would tell every entrepreneur, look at what you wrote down and say, and did it get achieved? The things you asked people to do, did it get achieved? And you got to address it right away. Why did it get achieved? Was it poorly communicated? Did they not have clear expectations? Or did they just not care and not want to do it? Yes, yes. And that distinction between the ability versus the caring of sorts, I think the, the book Crucial Accountability, if anybody else out there hasn't read it yet, Many people are familiar with Crucial Conversations, which is a great book about how to address those uncomfortable discussions that we need to have. But then there's Crucial Accountability, which is the sequel to that, which is looking at having crucial conversations specifically with regard to when expectations are not met and when somebody's not following through. And they really distinguish between the fact that most people, exactly as you put it, fail to meet their expectations in their what they produce because of one of two buckets. It's either the motivational or it's, it's ability challenges and the ability to identify which of those two big buckets in in the first place, if not both, is, I think, huge for leaders to ask themselves first. If you're dissatisfied with somebody's production, okay, is it a motivating, is, are they not motivated or are they unable or both? And if so, why? And what would it take to close those gaps? And that's a hard question to ask. How do you encourage people to get out of their own way to ask that question to their employees? Me, I'm a big believer in surveys, anonymous surveys. Anyone that knows me, I'm willing to take honest feedback. People call it criticism. I call it feedback. You want to learn. You want to get better. You're in the human capital business, right? I think altogether now I have 250, almost 300 employees among all my companies. It's a lot of employees, a lot of human capital. You have to make sure you're doing the right things and get that feedback or people are just going to leave. Yes. Every company has turnover, right? It just does. I mean, people always think the grass is greener. People leave Facebook every day. People leave Google every day, Apple every day. People are going to leave one SEO. People are going to leave my other company, Shock, et cetera. But you want to retain the best of the best you can or your company is never going to scale. And you're providing lives for people and careers. So you want to make sure you take their feedback seriously. Yes. For those who are not as comfortable with conflict, and conflict can be you know very widely ranging in its definition, but asking for feedback is in many ways asking to engage in conflict if someone has to give you feedback that isn't just that everything's wonderful. Being able to hear that constructive input that says things could be better, here's one way, and to be willing to take that with that grain of salt, I think is a challenge for a lot of leaders. We need to toughen up that skin or ask better questions perhaps so that it's not coming across as, so you're not taking it personally and you're getting information that is objectively focused on how can we be better, not just why am I a bad person. Huge distinction in the nature of the question and thus in the nature of the response that they're going to get. 100%. So tell me about a time when you've had to learn to shift the way that you communicate. How have you had to grow in your speaking style? And what did that growth period look like? Was it hard to learn the new ways to talk to that new audience? I think, you know... I grew up in Northeast Philly, then Bucks County. I grew up a very different, very different life than most people. When I went to corporate America, here's a story you asked, and I think you'll find it funny, is I was a district sales manager down at Verizon. And I asked, I wanted to be a general manager. And the person I went to, I went to the office, it came available. I knew he was leaving. 
And he was like, you'll never be a GM because you can't public speak. You can't talk while you talk like Rocky Balboa. And I was like, I'm your number one district manager in the whole country, revenue-wise. And so needless to say, I wind up leaving three days later. Mm. And my new employer, I'm still friends with today at the time, Neil Salvage, he said, what most do you want to get out of coming here and helping us build this great company? I said, I'll help you build this company from the ground up as our first employee. I said, but you have to teach me how to public speak. Mm. I said, I don't want to be held back because I knew I couldn't public speak. I used to get red in the face and nervous. Now I'm like, let's go. Yeah. Let's have fun. Right. Because I know the subject I'm talking about. If I don't know the subject, I still get nervous. But I also look at it when people hear my accent or my voice. I'm like, it's okay. It's different. No different than if you go to Texas and a cowboy's up on stage talking. It's just different. But it doesn't mean it's less effective or, you know, my success speaks for itself, not being arrogant, sure. you know, arrogant. That's one flaw. Maybe talking like Rocky Balboa a little bit doesn't define me. It just makes me unique. I took that away. I was probably the biggest defining moment for me of communication is I'm going to be able to communicate to people, public speak, talk and have a conversation with multiple people at a time. So what is something you said to that new employer I want you to teach me to public speak. What's one of the best pieces of advice that he gave to you that helped you start to make some major progress along that journey? Role play, role play, role play. You want to be great at anything, role play, role play. Interesting. Even for public speaking on the big stage? Once you're in it, you're in it. If you know the material, you know the material. Yeah. Yes. And once you do it a few times, whether it's 10 people or 1,000 people or 2,000, it's all the same. Now, I've never spoken in front of 100,000 people yet. That might make me a little bit more nervous. But so far, it's been a few thousand at a time sometimes, and I rock out. I have fun. And that's the thing. You really have to be willing to have fun with it, regardless of what your topic is. Even if you're talking insurance or something that's a little more that people would think of as not a quote-unquote super exciting or fun topic, if you love what you talk about, if you think it's important that energy has to come through. And it may not be jumping up and down, but there still has to be an intensity and a passion that is exuded and that's shared because your energy is going to be contagious. If you don't seem energized about what you're talking about, nobody else is going to be either. They're just going to tolerate and wait till it's done. They can go to get coffee or to the bar or something afterwards. I just said this to one of the leaders of one of my companies. I said, you want to grow, you want to scale. I can't be involved in everyday stuff where I really manage from P&Ls and four KPIs, key metrics. I love digital marketing. So I stay at one SEO still involved in the product. I love digital marketing. I'm a digital marketer. I love it. But I have five other businesses. You know, they're going to do well over 70 some million dollars this year. There's five businesses, right? And I say to people, if you don't have that energy and that communication, and that, if you can't sell your own product, what makes you think you can hire someone to sell that product? Right. Like, are you that delusional? Like you can't be, you got to be willing. If you don't have energy, the people around you aren't going to have energy. I just did a training on my company. Tommy Bello was just in. He's doing $155 million this year in garage doors. Wow. Good friend of mine. At my house last night having dinner, right? And we're talking business. And I said to my employees that were there, my other leaders, I said, guys, if you don't have energy, like don't come in to work on Monday anymore. Like it's like negativity is contagious. So is energy. So is communication. If you start communicating, everyone else will start communicating. If you're silent and you mope, everyone else will mope. 
Exactly. And that, that gets into the whole mirror neurons in the brain and how you're naturally, you've got all those beautiful pictures for anybody who's listening to the audio only in whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or something, as opposed to go check out our YouTube video right now, because this is all also available in video and behind lens is these amazing pictures of all of his children when they're all baby pictures and things so cute. But when we, we all know that when you smile at a baby, the baby smiles back. If you, you know, scowl at a baby, the baby will start to cry. And that takes us into adulthood as well. There's this natural tendency that when you smile at someone, they will smile back. Or when you see someone smiling at you, your natural reflex before you even think about it is to smile in return. And that's exactly the same whether you're virtual and here on, on Zoom or Teams or whatever your platform of choice happens to be, or if you're in person, that's whatever energy you lead with is what's going to come back to you. Or at least it's going to be that or less. So if you start with low energy in the first place, your audience is going to be comatose. You need to start with the energy that you want to lead with. So you know what? You actually mentioned something else that I want to go back to. You mentioned that your upbringing was different. I know what that means. Nobody else does. So share a little bit about where really where you came from, because it's one thing to run five companies and have this amazing search engine optimization, digital marketing agency, but It's not just like, well, you grew up like everybody else, went to high school, went to college, did the degree, and then, you know, started a company of sorts. Tell us a little bit about your background. We know North Philly, but beyond that. No, Northeast Philly, and I moved up to Council Rock. Very, very money neighborhood. I grew up in an orphanage group from foster care system, got locked up when I was younger for fight and, you know, went to prison for fight. When you say it was a money neighborhood, you mean it was a wealthy neighborhood or it was a poor neighborhood? Affluent. Okay. So I grew up poor where... You know, my mother locked us in the bathroom for weeks on end, mm. made a steel door there, you know, abuse. My dad was an alcoholic. My mom was an alcoholic, just total abuse. People didn't know the horrors that happened. And, you know, I always say to everyone, don't like sometimes so like, yeah, I feel sorry for your child. I was like, don't, because it made me who I am today. You know, it just made me who I am today. And some of my brothers are ashamed to ever talk about it. when I act like my one brother tries to act like he grew up rich and, you know, I'm like, why are you ashamed of it? Like, it doesn't define you. Like, sure. you don't get to pick your parents. You don't get to pick your family. You get stuck with them. I hate to say it, right? And yeah, sure. you just get a bad hand. And not that my, my dad was just a terrible human being. There was nothing good about my dad. The only thing he taught me was what not to be as a father. Sure. So I'm thankful for that. My mom tried. She struggled. But a recovering alcoholic, no leadership skills whatsoever, all the years of abuse, you know, the abuse still goes on. Now I'm be transparent. I don't talk to the majority of my family at this point. So how did you go then from being in that, you mentioned you were in that kind of home initially, and then you were on the streets for a while mm-hmm. oh, yeah. in the foster care system. Yeah. So you had to certainly learn a different kind of communication for survival when you're on the streets. How, what age were you on the streets? Teenage years, younger years. I went to Glen Mills for two years, went to camp two. So like, and camp two is a, a juvenile delinquency school also. Okay. Yeah. You know, I kept getting locked up for fighting other dumb things. And, you know, there was just no leadership at home to even try. I mean, listen, that, it's all my fault eventually at the end of the day. Right. I'm the one that got in trouble. But what I learned was I probably about 19 years old, 18 years old. My two brothers were in a pool hall. They started a fight. I got involved and, you know, I wind up getting a record, you know, from 30 years ago. And I just said, this is bullshit. You know, my brothers are constantly causing problems. They act like they don't. And I was literally just almost like their little tool he wet me. And I just started changing my life. I literally just said, that's it. I'm done. So I started working, started making money. I would do anything. I did roofing, concrete work. I would literally 
cleaned uh, print screens. But if you name a job, I would do it for money. And then once you start getting a little bit of money, life becomes easier. Then I just started working 12 hours a day, 15 hours a day. Then I started saving my money. Then a guy by the name of Jeff Cartwright hired me at Donnelly Director when I was 21 years old. Changed my life. Changed my life. I saw everyone had nice cars, money. I'm still in that Jeff Cartwright, Ed Smith, great people. I can't say a bad word about them. And that's where I started learning how to communicate. I started watching and duplicate. Watch and duplicate. Success really isn't that hard to get. Go watch successful people and duplicate. And that's, of course, when you're able to identify a successful person after whom you can model your practices, your behaviors, your speech, et cetera. That's super helpful. And I just I want to really acknowledge the internal character that's required to be able at 19, which is still very young. You know, you're legally an adult, but you know, whatever that means. And then to be able to say, you know what? Okay, I came from this mess and I don't like it. I, you know, stuff happened to me. I made some choices, blah, blah, but nevertheless, I'm done. I want better. I want more. And I'll do what it takes to get out and create a better life for myself, for my family, and to really have the fortitude to go against the grain of everything that you know, and then to learn how to communicate in a way that's not just for fighting, not just for street survival, but to build a business, which is a whole different universe. I would imagine, was it scary in the beginning or did you just, after what you'd been through, nothing scary? I'm one of the most confident people. I know I'm going to win. I won't lose. You have to kill me to lose, for me to lose. It's just That's just my mentality. But anyone that tells you it's not scary is a liar. Every entrepreneur that I'm with, and I'm with you know, Dave Geiger, he owns Horizon, right? One of the largest HVAC companies in the world. He's going to do $900 million this year, right? Mm. He's scared at times, nervous, right? making the right decisions, you know? Sure. And you got a lot of people's lives in your hands, right? So anyone that tells you they're not a little nervous or about making a mistake or a mishap, but it also fuels you to be hungry and to make the right decisions and to work every day and be motivated. And I also understand the power of taking I know I will never go back and my children will never live a life that I live. My children will never, ever, ever see the abuse, not having meals. Because you got to remember this. People say they care. They don't care. You're on your own on this earth besides your kids and your wife. You know, no one ever stepped in and tried to stop the abuse. People knew we were being abused and people just smiled at my mom and my dad and just let it happen. And as an adult, you see the same abuse around you with people and some things and no one ever steps in. So I just really know, you know, besides a few core people in my life, my sister, who's my CFO, a few other people, everything else is, could be very interchangeable at that point in time. It's just you have to know that because people want you to be successful, just not more successful to them. People want you to be happy, but just not more happier than them. Yes. And it goes back to the crab pot theory that people don't want to necessarily help you up if it's going to make you look better than they feel. Of course. That's why social media, go read social media, people, what they say about people and this and that. And they hate anyone that's trying to grow and they find reasons to call them narcissists or whatever you want to say. No, it's you're going to build something great. You got to do great things. And either you want to come with me and help build or yes. get out of my life. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, Looking at challenges and overcoming them, Lance, this is your chance now to challenge our audience with something. This is our 24-hour listener influence challenge. So I'd like you to take this opportunity to talk directly to the audience and challenge them to take one step that they can complete within 24 hours to have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? 
This is what I would challenge everyone to do. And I just actually had every one of my leaders do this. Write down the top five people you want to meet and why. You know, and then literally send them an email, a text, a video text, call them and tell them why. I know one of the people I just did. I say, listen, I'd love to come out and meet you. I look up to you. I read your book. You've done amazing things in business. I'll fly out on my own dime if I just spend an hour with you. And he responded back, said, I know who you are. I love your podcast, brother. I'm going to give you the whole day. Come on out. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So now you got me curious. Who is it? Jim Collins. Oh, wow. Author of Good to Great. Yeah. And built the last. Fabulous. So that's why when you look at it, you say, I, I wanted to meet him. I wanted to know what made him tip, what made him write the books. So I'm going to go out there and see him. But I got four more people. That's what I would do. And then ask them for an hour of their time. And most successful people, the good ones, want to see other people be successful. So they'll give you that time. Yes. You know, it's funny. I'm one of the biggest digital agencies in the country. One of the biggest ones. That no one can deny it. You come to my office, 100 plus employees. It's one of the biggest ones. I've only had two people ever come say to one of the digital marketers, can I come see what you're doing and how you're doing? Mm. Only two. But yet in my home services business and my other business, Shock IT, people are constantly asking to come see us. We're going to see them. And I always wonder, like, do people not understand? Like, if you want to scale something, if you want to grow something, all you got to do is go see, remember that, and duplicate. Yes. All right, everybody. So make your list. Top five people who you want to meet and then find out how to contact them, find their email, find their phone number, find something, find a mailing address, send them a who knows what, but ask, pull the trigger. Don't just make the list and go, gee, that would be nice, but oh, I could never actually approach them. Why? What's the worst that can happen? You already don't have an appointment with them. They can't take more away from you. So what do you have to lose? Make them feel good about giving you the appointment. Let them know it's okay that you look up to someone or that you find what they did amazing. You know, one person responded back, I'm booked to 2024. I just started laughing. Wow. That's, you know what? At that point, put me on it. I'm pretty sure my calendar's open. So whatever time you have available in 2024, <laughs> I can make it work. You, you know, some people are like that, but you got to roll it off. You got to have thick skin if you want to own businesses and be an entrepreneur or grow the corporate ladder. Yes. Right. Some of your listeners, they might, someone I tell people all the time about your podcast, I love you could be a school teacher that wants to become an administrator. They got to have good communications. Yes. Your podcast is great for that. You could have someone that's literally an entry level CSR or an entry level link builder. Well, they can listen to your podcast. Communication skills will help them grow inside that organization. That's what I love about your podcast. That's why I was like honored to be on. I thought it was pretty cool because your audience is everyone, not just entrepreneurs. It's really everybody. Yes. Thank you. No, it's definitely not just entrepreneurs. It is definitely whether they're entry level or they're mid-career, upwardly mobile professionals. The whole point is that regardless of what your natural technical expertise is, that you're only going to get so far up based on that technical skill set. At some point, there's that transition to the ability to lead people, to help other people who don't share your technical expertise to understand your genius. That whole going back to that notion of if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough concept. How do you make others get it? That's such an important skill in leadership. So thank you for that testimonial, as it were. I appreciate that. So let's see. Now, we've talked about a lot of your success here, but tell us a communication-related mistake that you've made. So one of the biggest mistakes I make, and I tell everybody is I'm very transparent. When I started my company, I'd yell at employees, scream, curse, berate them. I lost good people over the years, and I regret that. I mean, you know, your frustration doesn't become their frustration. You got to learn to control that. You got to give people their humility, dignity, you know, and make sure. So I stopped that probably three, four years ago. 
probably the biggest thing I learned as a leader is when people make mistakes, you don't got to beat them up. You know, I, it's funny. I made a mistake like a week ago and one of the people in the room started beating me up. And I said, I'm sorry, man. I made a mistake. I'm truly sorry. Didn't mean it. It was an accident. And he went to continue. I said, stop. I said, I said, I'm sorry. Everything you say now after this is you just being a jerk. Yeah. Right? Yep. At that point, are they just looking to vent more because they're not done? It's almost like you apologize too soon. And they're like, but I, I, I have more frustration I need to get off. You, you didn't let me finish venting yet. But I'm always the person, if you say sorry, or you, I made a mistake, I automatically de-escalate because we, we got to get through it. We just got to build. So that's probably the biggest thing I learned. I would tell everyone, watch how you react to, I call them crisis moments, little crisis moments. Sure. What you think is a big deal. You know, I've been through so much in 13 years now as an entrepreneur, the roller coaster rides and the ups and downs still to today. You know, it's, I've seen it all. Yes. Yes. And that's tough. You know, when I give you credit for realizing that it's one thing to be direct and to be blunt. It's another to use the language that you mentioned dignity. And I think one thing that a lot of people have never really put their finger on is the distinction between humility and humiliation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we're using that kind of super rough language with somebody else and, you know, either cursing at them or name calling or something like that, that it's the humiliation is something that strips away dignity. And we never want to strip away the dignity of the people who are there to work for us, to serve us. But then to be able to acknowledge that and say, you know what, it was wrong of me to do that. I apologize for it. That humility is something that actually restores dignity, not just dignity to the other person who you hurt in the process, but restores your own because we don't realize that when we do use that kind of harsh language to other people, especially in public, we lose our own face. We lose our own sense of dignity in the eyes of others as well. So to have that humility to acknowledge, to own the mistake, to apologize for it, restores our own dignity and the dignity of the workplace overall. Absolutely. So now let's talk about a time when you had to share some bad news or initiate a difficult conversation. How did it go? How'd you handle it? Should you have done anything differently? So I'm very direct. I'd rather just, I think everyone has a right to know where they stand and where they truly stand. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff right now as I've grown, I'm going to have to, I'll use myself as an example. I, right now as I've grown, I'm going to have to break the news to one or two people because I overcommit it, right? And I'm like, okay, well, mm-hmm. I, I can't get involved in this right now because I had to be focused on that. So, but that doesn't mean down the road I won't. It's sometimes you just got to be direct. And I don't regret that at all because I like directness. I don't like that. So, when I break bad news, it's pretty direct. I try and have empathy for someone, um, but, you know, that understanding, but you have to be direct because if you're not, it's still going to come out either way. I mean, now you don't want to say it where it's condescending or rude because you can say things that are bad in a nice way and soften the blow, right? And let people leave with their dignity and feel good about themselves. But you want to be honest and transparent with any bad news. Yes. Yeah, so and I think there's a a lot of people tend to mistakenly put this kind of false binary, black and white, either or choice when it comes to having difficult conversations. It's like, well, can I be nice or can I be clear? And the whole art of diplomacy and tact is the ability to do both, the ability to let someone leave with dignity, leave feeling like they understood that they've been understood and that they may not like the outcome, but at least there's a, an understanding of some sort, but also being very clear on what that understanding is, that get your message across. Who was it? Danielle Ivarre or Howard Newton, who said that tact is the ability to make a point without making an enemy. No doubt. Of course, there was also Churchill who said tact is the ability to tell someone else to go to hell in such a way that they look forward to the trip. <laughs> Pick your choice. 
whichever one you prefer, but I think it's the same idea either way. Kent, how do you find that beautiful balance between being clear so people understand what's happening, but in a way that they can accept it and you can move forward together with that mutual yes? Absolutely. Now, one thing that's interesting about One SEO is that you alluded to this earlier, that very recently you actually stepped down yeah. as CEO and you, so CJ, who is now your new one. Tell me about that transition because she's a very different personality from you. And how did that go? What were some of the transitions? I mean, she was, it's not just like she was plucked out of, you know, the clover patch and stuck in there. You knew that this was going to happen. You knew with several years in advance that she was the next one for you at whenever it came time for you to step down. And what was that transition period like knowing that you're so night and day, you know, you are, as you've described, and she's a lot calmer of a person, a little less conflict direct, perhaps. So what what was, tell me about that transition for you and for her and for the company. What was part of the process? It was three years ago this January that I announced that she would be the CEO of my organization. And a lot of reasons why some things you just said, I'm a true entrepreneur, right? Like I own real estate. I'm developing things right now. You know, I'm constantly jumping into things, right? And one SEO needed the attention. I love the product of one SEO. Does that make sense? I love digital marketing. Sure. I truly believe I'm the best digital marketer in the country. I believe I know more about advertising, marketing, probably anyone's ever going to meet KPIs, how it works, isn't that? But I wasn't the best to run one SEO every day. And I knew that. So how did you groom CJ for the role? Every day she spent with me for a year. Day in, day out, she took the worst of me and threw it out and picked the best of me and kept it. And that's really what she did. You know, Not every leader has to look the same. And I try to explain that to people. You know, Sure. Not every salesperson is going to look the same. Not every great communicator is going to look the same. Give me an example of something where she learned X from you and she has carried that and it's made her a better leader. And what's one of the parts that, to use your term, she threw out and that she made her own and is better now as one SEO is better because of that too. So she knows the P&L better than anyone in my organizations besides me and Jolene. Okay. She knows all my organizations. She has access to all the financials for every company. Okay. So DJ's true vision is... She will be the CEO of Bachman Holdings okay. of all my companies one day. Okay. Makes sense. She will run all my organizations. She is. Okay. And I, if I make that crystal clear to everyone, my partners and everyone, CJ will replace me one day and be the CEO of everything. Got it. You know, our goal is to grow this to a billion dollars and she will be sitting at the helm of that billion dollar company. Okay. You know, unless she chooses not to, right? Sure. So that P&L, she understands P&Ls. She understands systems and processes now better than anyone. I told her that. Things she threw away is I'm a very direct guy. She, she's clear in her communication, but she's a lot nicer in her communication. Make sense? She's found that balance. She's both clear and nice at the same time, or at least it, you know she found that diplomacy combo. Where I'm not as diplomatic. I'm more of, hey, we're going. We're getting it done. Let's go. You're on my boat. You're on a canoe. Which one do you want to do? Got it. And, you know... I had a conversation with someone the other day. I said, you got the time we get to the office to make a decision or I'm out. Mm. They said, it's 12 minutes away. I said, you got 12 minutes. And now you have 11 because you keep talking. Like, <laughs> so I'm that direct constantly because I'm not saying it's right. It's gotten me here. And the one thing people will tell you about me, you know where you stand with me at all times. Sure. And there's definitely value in that for sure. So 
Lance, my last question for you real quick. If you were asked to give the commencement address at a high school graduation ceremony, what advice would you give the graduates? What's the one thing they need to do, regardless of their plans, the one thing they need to do to be successful? Look to the person to the right. Look to the person to the left. You're going to have competition your whole life. Outwork everybody. You'll be successful. Outwork everybody. It's all about work ethic. I love it. Lance, thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anything that you, any final message or offering that you want to give to our to our listeners? And how can they learn more about 1SEO and you? Just come to 1SEO.com, LanceBachman.com. Read, take a look. If you ever need anything, let me know. I'm easy to get to. My cell phone's everywhere. The one person <laughs> I do. People call me. I'm like, hello, like Lance. It's on your website. I'm like, hey. So yeah, <laughs> you get a hold of. Now that's transparency right there. Super. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has really been an amazing conversation. Thanks, Laura. I appreciate you having me. And thank you, everybody else, for listening, tuning in. As always, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode if you haven't done so already. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, your favorite podcast platforms, so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.